Folks, I never met anyone who didn't love a bargain. I shop at Ollie's. Do you? I shop at Ollie's for the deals. Well, I shop at Ollie's because they have real brands at real bargain prices. New shipments and deals arrive every day. You never know what you're going to find or who you're going to see. I shop at Ollie's. Do you? You're going to love the bargain you get. I guarantee it. Ollie! Good stuff! Cheap! You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. Hello everyone, welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third Robin, Tim Drake. We will be looking at the classic 90s 2000 Robin series and other notable comics with Tim in that era, while also simultaneously taking a look at Tim in the modern era as Red Robin in the pages of DC Comics, plus other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. For them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. Welcome to episode 66. Now the first official episode of January. The last one was technically the first December recorded episode that was released in January, but that's a story for another day. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Uh, we're part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. We're also uh, in line with uh, Batman on Film. You can find us over there at their page, BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. You can find a whole bunch of other shows there. And of course, at TBU, you can get a hold of us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search Everyone Loves the Drake or Robin Everyone Loves the Drake. There's some variations out there. And we're on YouTube as well. And you can email the show at robineltdpodcast at yahoo.com. As I said, this is Rob. And with me tonight on – this is kind of our – remember the MTV days, like Late Night with Rhonda? I think that was <laughs> her name. We had like the Friday night videos. Uh, Rhonda's not here. Uh, but Terrence is here. How are you doing tonight, Terrence? Pretty good. I, You know, my family didn't have cable for a long time. So I, I don't remember Late Night with Rhonda. Rhonda, I do remember Saturday nights from 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. watching the Headbangers Ball oh, uh, pretty pretty religiously. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was my uh, late night um, MTV. And if I couldn't watch it, I would tape it. And so, <laughs> but, I, did uh, the, I did the same thing. I'd, I'd set up a tape and record, you know, and you got to, you get a chance to see a bunch of videos. You know, I remember seeing um, – uh, Symphony of Destruction for the very first time. Uh, oh yeah, on there Mega and death. you know just uh, some Iron Maiden videos and then uh, groups that I had really never heard of before. I became uh, pretty big fans of like uh, if you remember Taiketo and yes. uh, Every yeah. Mother's Nightmare. There's a, you know, a whole bunch of other ones that you know I just became big fans of. So that's that's kind of I. 
I pretty much ga- gathered that you know you and I were probably watching the, a lot yeah. of the same stuff at the right around that time. Especially around like the last hour when it was really late, they would play some really obscure yeah. metal bands. I remember that's where I learned about Flotsam and Jetsam. They were yeah. the very last uh video of the night and i'm like this is really good and i went out and bought their cd it was called no place for disgrace and yes. it had like a samurai warrior <laughs> committing harry carry on the cover i was like this is intense but it's funny because before i had cable my grandmother got it first so i would go over to her house set the vcr to take because she didn't know how to use a vcr or anything <laughs> set it to tape the headbangers ball and then when i'd show back up we because my grandmother lived very close by uh and then i could watch it at at home when we didn't have cable and and uh, Guns N' Roses Paradise City mm. had premiered. And I played that video over and over and over and so much that my mother kept hearing it. And she she was in the other room like because we had a small house and she could hear it. She's like, why do you keep playing that same video? Is there a naked lady in this video? Is there someone <laughs> naked that you keep watching? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's I actually like the song, Mom. And it's like one of the coolest videos ever. So, yeah. But uh, yeah. Th- yeah. Thanks for, for uh, setting this all up, Rob. And uh, uh, I, I'm sure you're going to say this too, but uh, Ryan is not here. He's uh, out sick. Uh, unlike teaching, you don't get a substitute. We're just going to play with a man down. <laughs> right. But, uh, we, you know, we Ryan is not feeling good, and uh, it sounds like him and his wife had got some food poisoning. Yeah. And I and he lives not too far from me, about an hour away. So I sent him a, a message half like. Um, of concern and half watching out for myself of, Hey, was this at a restaurant nearby or cause I'm going to avoid it or was it at home? But, um, he, he, we hope he's feeling better. And we just told him, you know, what, just get, get well, sit this one out. We can, we can handle the Russian mafia without you and Troika. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It's funny that, you know, Troika, they were kind of referred to as three and one definition is like yeah. a, a horse. So a Troika were a, a, a doika, like now, yeah. <laughs> tonight. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, get better, Ryan. And he uh, was, we were, you kind of texting back and forth like we do as we're getting ready for the show and kind of started like, oh, I think I should be pretty good. And he had to call it earlier uh, this afternoon. And we thought, you know, uh, like Terrence said, we'll just take it easy and, uh, because of him being sick, you guys almost met in using our last podcast, using some fancy keyboard lingo like IRL in real life, <laughs> uh, which kind of segues into our opening topic. I had uh, sent Ryan and Terrence a message about, like, hey, have you guys heard about Ollie's? At Ollie's Market Outlet, we're loaded with brand name deals and our trucks just keep rolling in. We've got name brand toys, Christmas decorations, books, stuff for your home, all at up to 70% off the fancy store prices. Coloring books for grown-ups are the hottest trend in America, and Ollie's has the best quality at the best prices. We have over $4 million at the fancy store prices with over 25 different styles to choose from. Hey, you're going to love the bargains you get. I guarantee it. Ollie's! Good stuff cheap! Both of you guys were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. The best way I was describing it to you guys, you could tell me if my description was right or not. I said, imagine if Dollar General, Five Below, and Walmart had a baby, and it's just a bunch of random stuff. Would you say that's an accurate description of what (laughs) Ollie's is? Because you'll walk in and go, oh, look, well, there's jeans over there. Oh, there's barbecue sauce, and there's toys from, like, three years ago, and they have books, and... (laughs) It's just a random assortment of like uh, 
businesses that have gone out of business and sold off or declared bankruptcy or something like that, and they buy the surplus. And in fact, you know, I live in North Carolina now, but growing up on Long Island, New York, there were a bunch of these places around. There was like this one electronic store, Crazy Eddie's, where the guy would like these commercials where he was screaming. Crazy Eddie's greatest TV and video sale ever. Get anything and everything in TV and video. Crazy Eddie's greatest TV and video sale ever. It's going to be insane. And there was the store called Rock Bottom and they're all gone. They've all gone out of business. But it really reminded me of like bargain hunting back in the 80s going to the <laughs> store. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot of stuff like you'll you'll not see one of something. You'll see like 500 of yeah. something where you can buy like a Carhartt jacket, get a thing of ketchup, a book, a lawnmower and a chair, you know, <laughs> if you want to from these places. But the reason we're talking about Ollie's, my brother-in-law lives not that far from one and he would say, "Hey, there's some San Diego Comic-Con exclusive stuff at this Ollie's place." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" It was a Young Justice Superboy action figure that you could only get at San Diego Comic-Con when Young Justice first premiered, and I bought it for like three bucks and i thought wow i would have had to pay like 45 bucks for this thing at the convention or, or 60 because it was kind of real outrageous it lit up and everything and that's the other cool thing about ollie's is that their like normal prices are 60 70 sometimes 80 percent off of of what you're paying and i started seeing on some comic book uh websites or not websites but uh facebook groups that i'm a part of and people were talking about this dc trade sale that uh, Ollie's had. I think uh, the ad said we bought 17 truckloads of DC Comics uh, in trades or, or, or something to that nature, and we're passing on the savings to our customers. So I started seeing people buy these books, and it's not like, oh, this is a, a graphic novel from you know 15 years ago, and now I already have a copy of it. You may see some of that, but there was some stuff that has come out in like 2017, 2000. 15, like the Jim Aparo collection or J.H. Williams or Carmine Infantino, uh, different things. Uh, some, some of the unwrapped series where it's just the pencil drawings of certain artists. And I'm like, really? That's, that seems kind of interesting. And you start looking, people say, Oh, I bought like, you know, 15 books and I spent 50 bucks, you know, and if I had paid full retail price. So I started calling around my local Ollie's and they're like, yeah, we, we've got them. So I sent you guys a message and I think you guys at first were like, ah, I think you're, you're pulling my, <laughs> pulling my chain. And I think when all three of us had gone to Ollie's, it was like, I thought my jaw hit the floor. Like I have not seen some of these books, you know, I've, I've seen them in, in stores, but the cover price on some of them are like 50, 60 bucks. I'm like, okay, I'll save up and buy one. Um, I think, why we've all seen each other's pictures, but I know we all bought a lot and spent very little. So I just kind of wanted to ask you what your impressions were when you found Ollie's and then once you saw the table and the pictures uh, and all that stuff. And then if you've been following our Facebook page and Twitter, you guys have seen what we what we've been picking up. But kind of want to get your your take on the uh, whole Ollie's uh, DC Comics experience. <laughs> It's simple. I've died and gone to comic book heaven. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the, you sent me the, the text. I had not been up on social media for a little while. And, um, and by a little while, I mean like that morning. <laughs> and, uh, cause the, they, this uh, broke really quick. The time we were recording this, this has only been going on for about two weeks. 
Yeah. So you sent me, uh, me and Ryan a, uh, a, a text about it and I had never heard of Ollie's. And so uh, my, my thought was, Oh, this is really cool, but they're probably like in the Midwest or nowhere near me. Cause I've never seen this. So I, uh, did a, a Google search and there was actually one about a half hour from my house. And then within maybe about a, uh, an hour radius of my house, there's four of them. So I was like, holy cow, look at that. So when I got home, I was, I had really busy cause I had, I was, you know, I work two jobs and I had to work both jobs that day. And so I, I didn't get home till, um, like eight, you know, I go, I go to work and, I, and I'm there at 7 a.m. and I didn't get home till 8 a, 8 p.m. So I've been a long day and, uh, I told my wife and she's like, well, just go. You, they close at nine. You got an hour. You can get there. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Cause the, the girls had to be picked up at dance and she's like, I'll pick them up. You just go. Um, but I was like, let me call first. So I called. And I got one woman who had no clue what I was talking about. She's very nice, very nice, you know. Um, but she's like, uh, hold on, let me get a manager. And then I, I got a manager and she's like, yeah, DC Comics, yeah, they're here. But they're by register one. Don't go to the books. They're not in the book section. They're register one. So it took me – so I got up there. It took me a little while to kind of like find where they were. But sure enough, there was a huge table with just stacks and stacks of trade paperbacks. And originally, I must have picked up like – 40 books or something. I'm going to get this and we get that. I'm going to get this, you know, and then I'm like, all right, well, even if they're cheap, this is still going to cost me like a lot. So right. let me, let me, let me weed out. And I was like, okay, well, if I have all of the issues of this, like they had a lot of, um, at my store, a lot of the detective comics, new 52 trade mm-hmm. paperbacks are, 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 are a hardcover though. Like they had the emperor penguin storyline. Yeah. They had the goth, what is that called? Goth Tekka or goth yeah, yeah. or something. They had, um, the the wraith and then I I was like well you know even though these are a steal at five ninety nine you know it starts adding five ten fifteen twenty and I'm like I have all these issues so I put I put some stuff back and I'm like well maybe I'll come back or whatnot but um but yeah I haven't gone to any of the others except my wife had to go to uh, Greensboro North Carolina today which is about an, an hour and a half almost two hours from where we live. And she, as I've said on the podcast before, collects Hallmark ornaments. And right now the Hallmark ornaments are all on clearance because it's January and it's after Christmas. So since she was up in Greensboro, she was going to look at a couple of Hallmark stores there. And she calls me and she's like, yeah, I'm at this Hallmark store and it's in the same shopping center as in Ollie's. Do you want me to go in and take a look? So I was (laughs) like, yeah, do that. So she was sending me pictures and uh, I was like, "Ooh, pick that one out, pick that one out. So I got the kingdom. um, And. And this this thing is like it's soft cover, but I mean it's got to be almost 200 pages, and it's only 3.99. And then there was these other things which I don't think I'd seen in any of the other pictures, but it's um like a package of 10 random comic books. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, for 5.99, and I I bought that, and I mean it had some good stuff in it. I I wasn't collecting, but were you familiar with the Harley's Little Black Books like alternative yeah, covers? And I, I, plastic? I, yeah, I had seen a couple of those, and I noticed that you had. And one of the packs that you sent was a Batman versus Superman. Uh, yeah, one of them, and they were doing that for the movie. They took that idea off of Harley Little Black Book, but you yeah. get some variants out of it, and each bag could be a different variant of like one in three. And I got one that was actually drawn by Chris Daughtry, uh, the singer from Daughtry American Idol, oh, cool. and it's inked by Jim Lee. And it's a half and half colored, half and half black and white. And I think it was a Batman and Robin issue. So some of those, 
uh, BVS ones or, you know, to promote the movie, but you get a, a really cool cover, a variant inside of the, uh, bag and Harley Quinn's little black book. It's kind of the same thing. Um, you can buy the new stand version or you get a completely different special cover in the black bag. Yeah, cool. My package of 10, which is weird because my wife said they were all opened, but there's still 10 comics in it. It had three of the Harley little black books still sealed. It had a Wonder Woman, a Harley Quinn and a Green Lantern with, um, and then it had one, um, Batman v Superman, um, still in the bag for Batgirl issue 50. And then it had Justice League 3000, number one, uh, Injustice Gods Among Us year four, number one, uh, Futures Ends 19. That one I was like, eh, you know, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> Superman number 52 from the new 52. So that oh, was yeah. the last one. And then the, uh, Lego, um, uh, variant covers for Action Comics 36 and Batman and Robin 36. Oh, nice. So I was like, so I was like that's those. pretty good for six bucks, you know? Yeah. So what's funny is um, I was feeling really good about myself because my stack of books to read, I, I really took a chunk out of it last weekend. Like I really read for a couple of hours and I'm like, all right, it's getting lower. And then in the last week, um, they, the, my local comic book store, which isn't that local, but they had a dollar comic book sale. So I bought $25 comics. And then <laughs> I, I, my shipment, my monthly shipment came in and then now there's this. So my pile has like quadrupled of to read, but at least the trade paperbacks, I don't feel that pressure of like, I got to read them right now. You know, you can just read them anytime. But, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. And we were kind of speculating, like, where did these 18 truckloads come from? Like, that's do you have a guess? Where do you think they came from? You know, like like you were saying, it, it could be as simple as a Barnes and Noble type business or something like that went out of sale. Or I wonder if it was a comic book shop. But the funny thing is, like, all three of us had the availability of picking up the exact same like books. You know, okay, there's going to be the Neil Adams books there, the Carmine Infantino, and maybe, like, I, I still haven't seen any of the Norman Brayfogle books there, which really kind of bums me out. That was one I was really looking forward to get. But, you know, if you probably travel to two or three Ollie's, you'll go, okay, you can kind of see the same books. So to see that mul- that many multiples of the same book, and it's not like, okay, there's only one J.H. Williams III, you know, Tales of the Batman book. You know, if you don't get there, you're not going to get it. There's usually like five or six of each book there. Like the Neil Adams book, I don't know about you, but there was like stacks. There's three mm-hmm. volumes of them. So it, it's kind of hard to wrap my head around of like where these came from, of these just books that DC had printed and they were sitting on a surplus of them. You know, did Ollie's make a deal with DC? Because it's not like you're going to go to the table and find any Marvel books or images or Dark Horse or anything like that. It's all just DC or maybe Vertigo that's in the DC, you know, umbrella. So it, I've been scratching my head trying to figure out, like, I wonder where these came from because it, it almost have to be like a small chain or something like that. Like you had said in the opening, like if a store closed, maybe they just bought it. But I, I have no idea. Yeah, because I went on Ollie's website when I was looking to see, you know, um, where they they came from. And it said like it, the company description said that that they buy, you know, stores going out of business. And there's all these like phone numbers you can call if you want to sell stuff to them. But it's just weird. Like if it was a Barnes and Noble or something, you would think they'd be. All, all different companies, you know, unless yeah. there's some kind of rights or something like that. 
and then it's just kind of odd. I'd almost think that DC, if it was them, might want to destroy these, then put all these cheap paperback. A lot of them are hardcover, you know, um, for better word here out there and flood the market basically. Cause I probably won't be buying a trade paperback for a good (laughs) six to nine months now. I mean, I've got so much, I mean, one that I really like, and we did the uh, Christmas story for him two years ago was Lee Bermejo with his, what was that? Batman uh, Batman called Noel. And uh, we had talked about how he had very similar with uh, Luther and I had never read that. And here I got the Luther trade paperback there for $2 and 99 cents and their retail price, 1499. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. And so I, I don't know. And I'm wondering how long till these start trickling out onto like Amazon and eBay where you see these at maybe a dollar or two above Ollie's price, but still way below the retail price. Yeah. Um, Oh, sorry, I mean to cut you off. Oh no, go ahead. I was done. I was done. Yeah. <laughs> You're done, Terrence. Um, no, I'm done. there was I'm a, out. there was My a job. guy on. Uh, I'm trying to remember all the different comic book forums that I'm on. Um, uh, whatever it was, maybe it was back issue forum. Whatever it was on Facebook. Um, I apologize for not getting that name right. But anyway, he had said he had gone. He was in Kentucky and had gone to his local Ollie's. And he was looking for the DC Comics, you know, sale and talked to a store manager and said somebody the day before had showed up and bought all four pallets of the oh, books. Wow. And he said there there were none there. And he said that person spent about fourteen thousand dollars to buy basically four pallet loads of these books. Because I guess each Ollie's is getting like four four full four four or four. <laughs> Four or three. Yeah. Well, I can't talk. Um, Four on the floor. It's a yes. disco beat. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little drummer joke for Rob there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so he said he had to go to a different one. So I wouldn't be surprised if you're starting to check eBay or um, to see probably some, uh, you know, get out there. But I guess they only have – they're only out in like 20 states, and it's more on the eastern side of the U.S., like I know Justin Kowalski, I was talking to him, and he said he doesn't have any, or uh, Andy D. Genova, some of the other people are like, wow, that'd be really cool if we had an Ollie's out here. So I think once you get past Ohio, Michigan, you know, Indiana, kind of out that way, you're, it's, they start to you know dry up out there. So um, I wanted to ask you, out of, out of all the books, is there one that you were like, oh, this is this was really cool, or I, I hope I can find... Uh, this one, like we said, you know, some of these books, like I'm looking at the Neil Adams, um, Batman illustrated by Neil Adams. There's three volumes. I managed to get two of them. Uh, even like you said, even at like six ninety nine or three ninety nine, that the the price starts to add up a little bit. When my wife's like, "We're not going to spend a hundred bucks here," you know, yeah. we? like the Neil Adams book is forty nine ninety nine, and you know, I picked up two volumes, both at six ninety nine. That's that's a heck of a steal. Two of the books I was looking for were the uh, was the Jim Aparo and Norm Brayfogle, but I couldn't find Norm Brayfogle. But it's uh, the Jim Aparo is a lot of the Batman uh, Brave and the Bold issues, and their you know the paper quality is really good. Uh, but the other one that I really liked, and I was torn between the other one, is the Batman Unwrapped, the Andy Kubert. I got that one. I saw the Batman R.I.P. and I really really thought about that one for a while. But I decided um, Ryan had said, I'll pick up a, a Gordon of uh, Gotham because we'd been talking about that book for a while. So I decided to pick up that one. So what, what was the uh, book that you were kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm really glad I, I picked this book up? 
Yeah, you know, I didn't pick up Gordon or Gotham because I have all those issues. Right. I have all those miniseries. Um, I did pick up the R.I.P. Unwrapped, and it's kind of funny because the pencils look so different without um, Batman of Zur in R in multicolored and just yeah. one tone and stuff. Um, but I hadn't picked up a, a, or reread R.I.P. In I don't know what, how many years ago did that come out? Seven or eight years ago or so. So it was kind of fun flipping through that and seeing some of those images again. Um, but um, yeah, and, and like you said, I, I picked up the Norm Brayfogle Volume One, which is a fifty dollar book, which I got for five ninety nine. And um, it's cool to see some of these comics that I read on newsstand in just nicer paper and with really nice printing and all together one after another. Uh, but the, the one, oddly enough, the two that I was like really psyched about, we talked about this, uh, actually three, we talked about this the other day, the uh, Paradox Press. Yeah. It was cool to see a Paradox Press book, the big book of the unexplained. Uh, we talked about that on the Christmas issue because the artist who did the uh, short little Robin series yeah. had done a lot of, and I'll have to look and see if he's in this one. Um, the Brian Boland, the art of Brian Boland, all of his covers is really beautiful and amazing. I kick myself for not getting that. Yeah, I almost want to go back and get another copy of it because, you know, it's a um, $39.99. And, you know, normally these cover prices, you, you can always get it a little cheaper on Amazon or uh, was that in stock trades usually like, sells yeah. them for like half price. But still at five ninety nine, that's way below <laughs> anywhere else. <laughs> right. But um, Brian Boland, I, I forgot how many covers that were his like that. And look, and um, what's great about this book is it's his covers, but it's the art without the banners and the logo and the little box for the the barcode and all that. So you get to see just the whole picture and it's just really beautiful paper and it's really printed well. And uh, my daughter was looking at it and she's 12 and there's some um, pretty questionable artwork that he did (laughs) for covers of the invisibles, which I never read. So I don't know really the story, but there's one of this like, sort of Catwoman-like character with a nose piercing, and she's sitting on the toilet, and you can see her butt cheek, and it's kind of, I don't know, I I may have to start reading The Invisible. I think that was a Grant Morrison book. Did he write The Invisibles? I think Morrison. I, the, uh, I thought it was Robert Kirkman. Uh, I thought he does, doesn't he do The Walking Dead? Yeah. I Maybe I'm getting, it's, maybe it's, there's Invisibles and Invincibles, but okay. I, I'm almost, I'm well, I don't want to say almost positive, but I I thought that was a Kirkman. Like that was the first thing he did before The Walking Dead. May, I might be wrong, but well, I will, uh, yeah, I'll have to look into that. There is a lot of um, a lot of Batman too. He did a, like a lot of the Gotham Knights covers and um, just um, the Flash. He did the Wonder Woman covers for a while when I was reading Wonder Woman. So just really great stuff in that. And then the third one that I really was excited about getting was. Um, the volume one and volume two of the seven soldiers of victory oh, that from cool. Grant Morrison. Yeah. And, uh, there's, I think a volume three, which I'll have to pick up. Um, but I had always heard that this was a really good series and it has a lot of, um, kind of obscure DC characters as the main, you know, heroes and villains. And like, um, so I, I'm really looking forward to, to digging into those, but Rob, I can't thank you enough for, uh, <laughs> just telling us about this here. Cause it was pretty awesome. Yeah. And I, I would imagine that, uh, the stores are probably going to have them, you know, for a while just because there's so, you know, many copies 
of them. So there's another one that I haven't been to that I might, you know, go, well, maybe I'll get to Norman Breifogel. And it's one of those two, like, I have a lot of these in single issues, and that's always my thing with buying trades. Normally I'll buy trades of like, well, I never picked this up. And rather than go track the single issues down, I'll buy the trades to fill some holes. Or like, wow, this is printed on really good paper. It'll be nice to see some of these issues. Sometimes like, oh, rather than break out, you know, 15, you know, single issues, just I want to read this particular story. So um, the Norm Breifogel was the one where I was like, yeah, I have all those issues, but the book is just so well done that you know, I really wanted to to check it out. So. Yeah, this is this was a really cool find. It's one of those things you kind of hear about that uh, you go, nah, really, three ninety nine for a book. And one of the books that I like are the uh, showcase books that are all just black and white, no no color to them at all. But they, they're like super thick, and you get like five hundred stories or something in them. And those were like two ninety nine. And that's a book you can probably read for the next six months and still not yeah, get all the least, way through it. Yeah, so. So if you're listening, uh, you know, check out Ollie's O L L I E S. Uh, great book, a great, uh, great deals, dirt cheap. I think is their uh, slogan. And if I can find their ad, I'll put it somewhere in the uh, <laughs> the podcast. But uh, you know, check yeah, them out. And I was gonna say, if you're listening and you go to Ollie's, let us know. Uh, send us an email or text or post it on Facebook of um, what you've uh, picked up. And uh, Rob and I have both put our haul on Facebook. Yep. So, yes, yeah, so, so send us a picture, send us a text or an email. Let us know what you picked up. Uh, we wanted to mention uh, Jody Yearden, who uh, is a cool listener of the, sh- the podcast, who, who sent us his uh, haul on Facebook. And he also picked up the uh, Brian Bolin uh, and the uh, Neil Adams and a couple of those, actually four showcases. So, yeah. You- Jody, let us know how long it takes you to read four showcases because <laughs> that's some dedication right there. Yeah, yeah. he's got a Green Lantern a soldier or the unknown soldier, uh, the elongated man. I thought about that one. The other one I thought about picking up was Hawkman. Um, I've always kind of liked the Hawkman character, so I had it in my hand for a little bit and put it down. And um, I think I ended up picking up uh, Teen Titans uh, Celebration of 50 Years. And then he's also got Justice League America Showcase, uh, the Manhunter. And the, the Flash is in this uh, block in this other one. Oh, it looks like it's an Infinite Crisis uh, tie-in. But that uh, Brian Bolin book looks really, really cool. You know what's funny is uh, – so you, you took a picture of you, uh, you uh, <laughs> like there, hugging the and you're, display. Pra- you're practically <laughs> hugging the display. And then you sent us a picture of what you bought. So when I finally went, like I said, I went like later at 8 o'clock. I was there at like 8.30 when they were getting ready to close, uh, which was nice because no one was in the store. So I could just like take my, my sweet time there. I, I also took a picture of the store. So I took a picture of the entire huge uh, table full, stacked you know, of these books. And real quick, that's a cool thing about it is that, you know, like the Neil Adams book, they've got like 40 of the Neil Adams books. So I don't feel like a jerk, like, oh, I'm taking this. And I know like right. the next 39 Batman fans coming in are going to get it. But anyway, I took a picture of the huge table with all the stacks. And then I, I, I came in and took a picture of what I got. And my wife saw it on Facebook and she's like, oh, are you trying to be like Rob? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I'm copying what he did. And then so she looked at the one picture, which was what I bought, which was like eight, eight books or so. And then she looked at the next picture that was the stack of uh, – 
uh, all the books. But in Facebook, if you don't hit the picture, you just see like a little bit of it. And she's like, oh, my God, is this how many you bought? Did you buy all of these? <laughs> and I'm like, no, because like, I'm known for buying stuff and then like hiding it in the trunk of my car and oh, stuff because I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, no. And I like clicked on the picture. I'm like, look, this is the store. See, there's a guy in line behind it there. Like, she's like, I don't know. I need to go look in your trunk of your car. So, yeah, which right now there are no comic books in there. There's a lot of um, 70 percent off candy from Walgreens that I got today. But I love that discount Christmas candy. Yeah. Uh, But uh, but yeah, that, that was pretty fun. So cool. Uh, there's the our, our little Ollie's uh, store here. So go check it out. Like you said, let us know. And if you're on Twitter and you're listening to this, I haven't done a hashtag before, but hashtag ELTD Ollie's uh, so we can see everything. If you go to Ollie's and pick up some book, hashtag uh, ELTD Ollie's, and uh, we can kind of uh, share and see everybody's pictures. So with that little opening, we're going to get into our next set of books. We're going to look at the Batman Troika series, the uh, four issues that uh, start in Batman 515, Shadow of the Bat 35, uh, Detective Comics 682, and Robin 14. We'll be right back after these messages. Hello, I'm Pat Sampson. And I would like to invite you to join me on my podcast, The Longbox Crusade. On this podcast, I'm reading through my 20-plus longboxes that I have stored away in my basement. On each episode, I will select a random issue from my collection and take a very highbrow, thoughtful approach to examining these truly American art forms that help to shape our popular culture. Oh, I like comics too. Uh, can I get a comic out of my long box that syncs up with the month and year of the comic from your long box and chat about that too? Oh, oh, and video games. Can we talk about games? Or, or maybe James Bond too? I love James Bond. <sighs> Fine. Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist. We can add some of your comics and enthusiasm to the show. It might help get a deeper introspection of... Did someone say James Bond? I love James Bond, and I love comics, too. I can bring a comic from my long box to sync up with you guys. I also love movies and music, even news stories that tie into the time period that match the comic books we review. Uh, this is what I get for inviting both the Albrecht brothers into my show. Jason, how the heck can we fit all that into my deeply intellectual review of... Well, you know what? Fine. Let's do it. Let's cram it all into one podcast. Join us on the Longbox Crusade, folks. We'll bounce around in time from issue to issue, pulled randomly from my longboxes, and the Alpert Brothers will bring along issues with the same month and year cover date. We'll talk about the comics and the time period they come from, including... World news of that time. Top 40 music chart toppers. Movies, both good and bad. Maybe even some favorite recipes. Whatever I think is funny. We'll probably have to suffer through things that Jared thinks are funny. We'll jam it all into one pop culture extravaganza, examining the comics in my longbox and the time period surrounding them. Join us for a wild ride through time on the Longbox Crusade podcast as we attempt to read them all. What's in your longbox? We're taking a look at two books today, Batman 515 and Shadow of the Bat 35. The credits for Batman 515 go like this. 
Cover date, February 1995. On sale date, December 13th, 1994. For a cover price of $1.50. The editor is Dennis J. O'Neill. The title, Dark Rider, Cold Warrior. The writer is Doug Mensch. Penciler is Kelly Jones. The inker is John Beatty. Letterist is Todd Clean. The colorist is Adrian Roy. The cover credits to the standard issue are Kelly Jones and the deluxe all-black Metallica <laughs> version looking of the color is also Kelly Jones and the inker, I guess you can call them an inker, very, very dark, is Terry Austin. This has been reprinted a few times, uh, the Batman 515 Deluxe, again, 1995. Uh, the Batman Doug Mansion Kelly Jones volume hardcover 2014, the Batman Kelly Jones gallery edition hardcover 2015. For our second issue, Batman Shadow of the Bat, cover date is February 1995, on sale date December 20th, 1994, cover price $1.50. The editor is Dennis J. O'Neill, title Troika Part 2, very simple as Shadow of the Bat would always do. The writer is Alan Grant, penciler is Barry Kitston, inker is Ray A. McCarthy, letter is John Costanza, colorist is Adrian Roy, standard News edition cover is Brian Stelfreeze, and then the deluxe version is Barry Kitston and Terry Austin. This has been reprinted uh, in Shadow of the Bat 35 Deluxe Edition, which is the deluxe version of the cop of the uh, comic. So there has been no other reprint of this. And now for the synopsis of this, I am taking the easy way out here a little bit. I'm going to use a synopsis from DCWikipedia.com, only because I'm currently working on another project for Everyone Loves the Drake, and it's taking a lot of time to do that, to write and produce and do all that type of stuff. Hint, hint, wink, wink, maybe an idea of what's going on. So I'm going to use another synopsis, so don't crucify me for using somebody else's synopsis. I'm giving you credit where credit is due. The synopsis for Troika for Batman uh, 515 goes, like this. Bruce Wayne is back as Batman and has changed his costume to a darker one to symbolize some changes he's going to make on his life as well. At the Batcave, Batman, Robin, and Nightwing hear some reports on some irregular activities concerning Russia and nuclear weapons. Batman decides to discuss the matter with Commissioner Gordon and without delay he starts looking for suspect number one, Dark Rider. Meanwhile, at the Troika hideout, there is a discussion going on that ends up with the Dark Rider leaving Troika and starts pursuing his own vengeance with help of a nuclear device they have developed. The Dark Rider is planning his revenge against America, Gotham, and Batman for his own personal reasons. The leadership of Troika is given to the KG Beast. Batman and Robin decide to search the Dark Rider and Little Odessa, a little-known place the Troika used to use as a base of operations. They encounter two thugs who are trying to bomb the Drzezinsko's store. They stopped him, but they disrupted inside Drzezinsko's house through Ariana's bedroom. The thug told Batman all he needed to know about the Dark Rider's whereabouts. At that moment in the Dark Rider's apartment, two hired killers sent by Troika to kill a Dark Rider were killed by him and just as he was attempting to escape Batman and Robin spotted him and acted. Robin went inside Dark Rider's apartment and Batman engaged Dark Rider in combat. The fight ended when Dark Rider's illnesses due to the radiation left him in a defenseless position. Robin told Batman what he found out in the apartment of the Dark Rider confessed he sent out to kill Colonel Vega. Knowing that the nuclear weapon in Gotham's future was in Vega's hands, Batman felt unease. Synopsis for Shadow of the Bat 35. 
Ryder tells Batman to follow Colonel Vega and to try to prevent a possible nuclear disaster. At Troika headquarters, Colonel Vega, along with the KGBs and Romanana Vajigzigashikowski, yeah, no luck in pronouncing that one, <laughs> discussed about the nuclear device and the advantage it would prove against Batman and America. They argue between them without knowing the Dark Rider had hidden the nuclear weapon in Troika headquarters. In the same room, they were arguing. Colonel Vega left the place when he was outvoted in the discussion. In the day, Bruce struggles to accomplish the chores in Wayne Manor, and at night, starts looking again for Vega. Robin left worried about Ariana's safety and left Batman to do the search alone. Vega knew that he was being followed, so he headed to his personal hideout where he kept some of his mind-altering perception equipment. When Batman entered the place, he was unable to perform physical activity because his senses had been altered. Batman received a beating in the hands of Colonel Vega's thugs. When Vega was about to give Batman the final blow, Batman managed to destroy the main control aboard Vega and using the to alter his perception and was able to defend himself. While Batman was beating Vega's thugs, he escaped through a back door just to find himself with another Troika member who shot Vega in the forehead. When Batman got outside, Vega was dead and the killer was gone. Batman searched Vega to find any clues of the nuclear device whereabouts, and the only thing he could find was a Wayne Tech card belonging to Lucius Fox. All right, uh, we're back here. There was a... a Brief little synopsis of Troika for you. Uh, editor's note for Rob, make sure you put something in there. <laughs> yeah. Not that we're not going to tell you guys what's going on. Uh, this was kind of a a return to normalcy for Batman. Uh, it has been in just comic book time and, well, quite frankly, for the entire run of this podcast. It's been four years for us, but it's almost probably been about that long for Batman, probably closer to three, where there's there's not this big, huge, massive event that is just going through every single book. We've got Bruce Wayne back in the cowl. It's a little different. We'll talk about that. But this is kind of getting back to the meat and potatoes of telling a Batman in Robin's story without it having to be this gigantic, you know, huge arc. We talk about being, you know, event fatigue ever since Tim Drake has come into the picture. It's been in a giant event fatigue just in Tim's journey, but really basically starting with nightfall and getting all the way here to Troika um, has been one giant massive book. And I think when the third volume of the omnibus gets printed, I think Troika is going to be included in that because that's technically not technically, it's actually Bruce's full return. And you can end it at night's end with, you know, Jean-Paul, you know, walking off into the sunset and Bruce returning to the cave. But having, you know, if they include Prodigal that we just finished, then you have to include Troika. So it's kind of like, oh, wow, this is kind of, it's kind of like putting that old shirt back on and being like, oh, I forgot. I kind of like the shirt. Um, before we talk about the cover, uh, was it, what do you remember reading this book when it originally came out? It's hard to remember. I don't really remember my feelings about Bruce. I kind of want to feel like I was not too thrilled about Bruce coming back because I like Prodigal and I like the Nightwing um, Robin uh, or Bat, you know, Nightwing 
now as Batman or what am I saying? Dick Grayson. That's who I meant. (laughs) Dick Grayson. I'm staring here. I'm looking at a picture of Nightwing and that's why I keep saying Nightwing. Dick Grayson, Batman, Tim Drake, Robin dynamic. So I think I was a little bummed that that was kind of over. I felt the same way too. And, um, you know, Batman RIP and that whole run, I I wanted more Dick Grayson Mm -hmm. as Batman as well. So I was, I think I was kind of hoping Bruce might come back, but as a different character or, or something else, Uh, maybe there's a character named savior. I don't know, but no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That, that was not a thought in my head, but um, uh, I do clearly remember this issue because what I remembered about it was there was a lot of hype that Bruce was getting a new costume. Mm-hmm. He was getting he was it was going to be new, and yeah, I, I told Rob I'm going to reference this here in Bat in Robin number thirteen, which we did on the previous podcast, the second to last. Um, page tim says bruce you're back and then he like stops and his mouth is just wide open and he's like back and nightwing's eyes are just bugged out of his eyes even though he's got the domino mask you can see his pupil and they both have this huge you know shock and ex- of expression on their face and then the next page is a full page uh and tim goes it, your costume it's it's and then batman's getting a new costume it was all this hype of like he's got a new costume this was like crazy and the last time there was a different Batman costume. It was the Asbat suit. Mm-hmm. So you can only imagine. And then I remember getting 515. And I was first immediately shocked at the art inside because it the interiors was Kelly Jones. And this, to my knowledge, was the first issue that Kelly Jones did. You know, before that, he was doing the covers all the way since Nightfall. Right. So it was kind of shocking to see, oh, wow, this guy who's the artist on um, – all these great covers is now doing the interior, but he's also not the most realistic artist. He takes a lot of uh, artistic liberties with things. So I was wondering how that was going to play out. But in, when you read this entire issue, you never get a good look at Batman's costume at all. And I was wondering, is this just because that's Kelly Jones style and I'm not seeing it or is it, um, something different and you know kelly jones is known for using these huge ears on batman so that was like i'm like is this the new costume or is this just kelly jones art is and really and truly when you look at it the costume doesn't change that much he he gets rid of his underwear on the outside which i guess was a throwback to like trapeze artists and things of the the 1930s and the strong man of the the circus in the 30s but other than that, it's still the same gray costume. It's still the, the blue cape. So I remember being, once I got into the, a few of these issues, really disappointed that this hype of a new costume really wasn't much other than just getting rid of his underwear, which if you read these comics, the artists really kind of hide that. You know, they spend a lot of time like, you know, same thing with like now the purple interior of the cape. You know, it's right. really used for shadow or minimalized or you don't see it that much. So, yeah, I remember that's what I remember of the issue. And then the cover that I had, I only have the um, newsstand, not the newsstand. I only have the the specialty covers, whatever you'd call them. Same here. And in fact, I had never even seen the newsstand covers. And in Robin issue 19, there's the letter columns. And we'll we'll read some of those as as we get to it. Um, and the letter column in Robin 19 
describes, you know, Robin 14, which is part of Trioka. And one of the, the, the person who wrote a letter in here, um, had said, uh, his name was Ben Herman from Scarsdale, New York. And he says, uh, is in the middle of his letter, but he says, okay, maybe I'm complaining too much, which leads me to a serious point. I want to address gimmick covers. Stop doing them. I know that you're going to say, get the regular cover edition. There's one problem. No one carries them. I looked in three different stores and not one had the regular cover of Robin 14. The same thing occurred back with Robin one and Batman 600. And I think I was in the same boat. I, I didn't even know the newsstand no. even existed um, until. So, uh, but the, this cover, I think you're a fan of uh, this movie because being a musician, you have to be. Were you, uh, you a fan of Spinal Tap? Yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> How much more black could this cover be? <laughs> the answer is none. None more black. This is it. This is. <laughs> So so even on the cover, I can't see what the darn new costume looks like. It's just a blackout, which I did read somewhere that the these gimmicky covers, each one was getting lighter and lighter as Bruce was coming back. Yeah. So I get that. But um, that's my impression. Now, were you reading Batman at the time? Did you have this this comic or did you get this later? No, I, I read it when it came out. This was OK. To me, this was like the all right. Bruce is coming back, and I was in the same boat as you. I went to the comic book store, and this the all black Spinal Tap Metallica black album, you know, was the yes. was the only version uh, that I ever saw. And it wasn't till like years later, you know, picking up older issues, I was like, oh, look, I found a variant cover for you know Shadow of the Bat for Troika, and I realized no that's the newsstand i technically have the variant so this must have been a big enough deal where the store owners were like well we'll just get this because there were a ton of them you know nowadays with the special cover it's like you know one out of 20 are going to be the you know the variant cover this was you know any comic book shop i went to this was the only version that i saw i never saw the newsstand uh, version at all, and the newsstand version. Uh, for those of you you want to, you can check it out. You can Google image it, but it's it's almost like the inverse of the Nightfall, where you know Bruce Wayne's in the wheelchair and you know the Azrael Batman's jumping through the window. This is kind of that in, but you know Batman's all balled up in. You know, it looks like he's coming down from the uh, Batman logo, getting ready to you know pounce on top of the sky. As for the Batman one, and I think if I would have saw both these covers side by side, I would have said, oh, I'm going to get this all black one. So I don't know if that's what DC did on purpose or or what. But yeah, the only versions I have are the, you know, specialty versions uh, of these. And if, you, if you've never seen the specialty version and would like to know what it is, close your eyes. There you go. Yes. It's just black. <laughs> that's yeah. it. You know, you were talking about the costume and with having Kelly Jones do the interior i was kind of the same mind of you like oh i i wonder how wonder how this is going to work with his and i i love his art style but with the over exaggeration of the anatomy and the ears and he uses a lot of shadow like you said you don't get a real good look at it and after a while you can tell like oh well he doesn't really have any blue boots he doesn't have any blue gloves it's all a gray bodysuit, and the only thing that breaks it up is the yellow oval and the yellow utility belt, and everything else is 1989, but it's still like, is it a gray costume or is it a black costume? So um, even in these four issues, you know, he's got the spikes down on his 
you know, boots or his ankles approximately. I think by the time we get to the Robin issue, those are completely gone. Like they, they left the costume pretty quickly. And then almost overnight, he's got the trunks and the boots and he looks kind of back to normal. And I was the same way. Like, oh, we're making a big deal out of him getting a new costume. And it's kind of the same. Yeah. And uh, if I remember correctly, uh, the Kelly Jones interior art got very mixed reviews. Uh, some people really liked it, and other people really – it was just too much for them in Batman Batman proper. you know. And then once he started to do that like Red Rain, the, the Elseworlds vampire, mm-hmm. then he became like a, really a superstar. Like then, then people really loved it, and I think that was probably a more fitting outlet for his style. Mm-hmm than um the mainstream monthly batman title but i'm a fan of his art i i accept oh, yeah. that it's not realistic and i like that and in a time when this came out where every other artist was trying to look like an image guy and trying to be jim lee or todd mcfarlane or robert leinfeld i really appreciated those artists who were unique and individuals and and not trying to just copy what the image guys were doing yeah well, I, and I agree totally. Let's let's get into this book here. Yeah, Troika Part One, uh, Dark Rider, Cold Warrior. So, like we said, you, Batman's really kind of kind of hard to see here in the first beginning, and we see the Troika. This could be a hard word to say. Troika. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna butcher the three this. of them. The yeah. three, the, 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 the three, three of them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the KG Beast, uh, and I. I'm always blanking on her name. We have the Dark Rider, and what is the lady's name? I constantly end up missing it i'll end up putting it in here somewhere oh yeah Um, batman says it and i just in robin 14 i was just reading that before it um let me let me pull that up her name because uh romana elisha v-r-e-z-h-e-n-s-k-i or We'll just call her Romana. Romana. <laughs> I was going to say girl. Rhonda. I wasn't that far off. Nah, nah. Yeah. I'm not going to pronounce your name anymore. <laughs> the um, one with the, the star tattoo. Yeah. Uh, Dark Rider, I really didn't know much about. Uh, I didn't know much anything about her. KG Beast was the only one that I really was like, oh, cool. I know KG Beast. You know, Robin had gone up with him uh, the last time. Did you know much about the Dark Rider at all, or is he just coming into uh, this book? Because they. Batman makes a couple different references to him, like having fought him before. And I don't know if I had read anything prior to this book. No, I, I did not know the Dark Rider before this. Um, in doing this podcast and reading this, I was I was actually kind of confused. In the first issue, it was a like there was just a lot in it that kind of confused me, and I did look it up, and he was from. Um, some of uh, Doug Munch, um, who's, who's the writer for this here. Yeah. I always say say his name right, Doug Munch. Um, if some of his early Batman work in the early 80s, before I was reading comics, he had okay. done a story with the Dark Rider, and it was kind of a similar um, – storyline i think the dark rider was trying to you know fight capitalism and um was going to uh poison the uh water of gotham or and with a nuclear device or something like that and um uh i, I had never heard of him when i was reading this here Let me, but yeah no i i did not know i had to go to the dc wiki database to find out <laughs> the dark rider yeah 
the three of them are basically just getting together. Like Terrence just said it in a nutshell right there. It's it's all about capitalism, the, the defiant America, and the three of them together are going to, of course, pick Gotham City to start their reign of terror on. And uh, we don't find out at this point, but there is an, a nuclear bomb that's going to be the size of a baseball that they're uh, going to unleash on Gotham and to make them pay for all their capitalist crimes. And uh, in the prodigal storyline, we got a little hint of Troika at the beginning with a meeting that they had with uh, one of the members had with Lucius Fox trying to kind of shake him down. And of course, with Bruce being gone, he wasn't there at Wayne Enterprises. So Lucius kind of had to uh, deal with them in the early onset of it. Uh, we move into the cave here, and this is the first shot, really, of Batman, other than the street lamp of a shot of Batman on page one, which is just Batman really extremely long with his really long ears, but he's kind of crouched here in the Batcave, and all you really see, the only color on Batman is the blue in the cape. You can't even really see uh, his uh, bat symbol or his utility belt at all, and uh, Kelly Jones draws a real mean mug for Batman in the bottom uh, page of uh, three here. So seeing this first real image of Batman, I really, we really kind of said it. Did uh, did you like this take on Kelly Jones with the super long ears? And Yeah, you know, I do like this take, but at the same time, it's not a, a good take to introduce a new costume and, <laughs> and and even like that like you can't see the symbol at all so i was like does it not have a symbol anymore because in, in the in robin 13 you don't you see the symbol and the belt but that's about all you see so it was really confusing um and you know dc of course was hyping you know oh it's the new costume so therefore you want to buy more than one issue be you know because this will go up in value like all those other wall books and the thing you know um so it, it was still very like what is going on but i do i do like the art he, he draws like these cool bats flying all around batman it really if i you know each artist has their own strength and i and uh what well, weaknesses also but one of kelly jones's just strengths is how he just ha does the imagery in the bat cave like he just makes the coolest creepiest you know bat cave there is and he also as we see and i guess I, it gets um confusing because the dark rider i think is also called the cossack or something yeah he he's 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 getting sick from this radiation because he brought in a nuclear bomb to gotham that's uh as we'll find out the size of a baseball and he's got like all these radiation saw sore and my new york accent here these sores these <laughs> these sores <laughs> all over his body and kelly jones um yeah, he draws that really creepy. And real quick to interrupt, um, I did look it up. That Dark Rider, the issue that he was in was uh, Batman 393, wow. all the way back in uh, March of 1986. So, yeah, that was before I was reading comics, and it was one that my uh, comic book store didn't have that I could buy back issue. But that, wow. that's, how, that's how deep this pull was. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That's almost a Shotgun Smith pull right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like you were saying on the, the Batcave uh, and page five, uh, just his depth and the stalactites and the stalagmites and everything in there, uh, even the shot of Nightwing, you can barely see uh, Nightwing. And Tim is almost completely invisible in this. Uh, it wasn't until yesterday, I didn't even, I always thought Nightwing was the only one in here. You see a tiny corner of his cape and a little bit of his face in here. Um, it just as Bruce is going up uh, a set of stairs in the Batcave. 
so I was real excited to see, like, I want to see this costume. I, I want to see this costume. And you, re- like, in this book, you really don't get a chance to see it. Uh, Tim and Dick make mention that they have the Batcave completely back uh, in working order again. Everything's been uh, fixed up. Um, Kelly Jones draws the Jason Todd Memorial costume on page six. And you see how huge the Bat computers and everything are in here. And, uh, Tim and uh, Dick are trying to figure out, you know, what's what's new that uh, Bruce is going to be doing because the last thing we heard that Bruce is going to be making some changes and Tim's still kind of wondering, hey, am I still going to be a partner here? You know what? What is Bruce uh, actually uh, talking about? So just you know, through those first couple uh, pages there of Bruce kind of wandering the finished uh, Batcave again, you just kind of your thoughts on those couple pages there through five, six, and seven. Yeah, like I like I said, he draws a great bat cave, and um, we have talked about how, what the death of Jason Todd meant pre uh, under the Red Hood, and how it, that has disappeared. And that one scene or one panel where Batman he just like puts his hand on the Jason Todd memorial, and he never mentions Robin or Jason Todd. He just his dialogue is, "I know who and what the Batman is." all too well like that that's just so deep it's so heavy which i feel like they've just lost by all these resurrections what, what i find interesting is i've heard at times probably not now because he's too old but but, but especially in the 90s and, and 2000s people talk about clint eastwood playing batman mm-hmm. especially in the 80s when he would have been you know like kind of uh, or 70s too uh, and then uh, as he got older, you know, maybe like a Dark Knight Returns kind of thing. Um, this version, I could see be Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Like how you said, the, the nasty mug, the growls, the grimaces. Uh, I think I don't think there's a scene in here where Kelly Jones has hasn't drawn Batman either with his lips pursed or with his teeth grinding. Like if you see Batman's teeth, they're grinding. Oh, yeah. There's one here on the next page. He's on the phone. So I guess he's, you know, just, just to talk is the only time Batman's lips moving. You know, there's a lot of clenched fists. There's a lot of things here. Right. But um, what I find interesting. So Troika's four parts and it's written by three different people. And these were like the three main writers of Batman. You got Doug Munch in this book. Alan Grant in Shadow of the Bat, and then Chuck Dixon in the Detective Comics, and Robin. And in all three, you get a different Batman. You, this, this, it's kind of hard to see sometimes in Nightfall and all that, and you wonder who's writing what. Here you can really see the different Batmans. Like the Doug Munch Batman, as he writes it here, and maybe part of it is emphasized by the Kelly Jones art, he's really grim and grinacing. Like he, there's no jokes. There's no quips. There's right. no little any like he is serious business. We're getting up to the next scene, which you'll see it, it get he, he throws this comment out there that is just so out of place in this comic book that I, it was really jarring. And I won't say what it is. I wonder if it, it caught you. And I'm like, I don't think that is a Doug Munch line. I think he was like forced to put that in there for other reasons. And then Alan Grant is kind of in the middle. And I got to say, I really think that the best two issues in this four issue series are the last two written by Chuck Dixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just for the action, but for the characterization. You know, there's a lot more Tim in it, so that probably has me biased. But his Batman is just I just I just when I read Chuck Dixon's Batman, I feel like I'm reading the animated series Batman, which I feel like is my Batman. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is the Batman. And in the last two issues, as we'll get to, Batman makes some quips. He makes some funny jokes. Like they're not like 
knee slappers like, hey, knock, knock, who's there or something, you know. But he has those little little one liners, which I like, like he's still going to be grim and grinace, but he'll he'll make a sarcastic, you know, like almost like a little sarcastic a-hole comment. And um, not to take this co- this podcast off the rails and put it in another direction. But, you know, I've seen one of the criticisms of, Ju- of Justice League, the movie, is the use of humor, especially Batman's humor. And I found Batman, especially Ben Affleck's delivery, one of the best things about that movie and his humor in character. And one of the best things, like when when uh, Aquaman sees him, he's like, oh, you dressed like a bat. And Jim Gordon says something like, oh, you, you're teaming up with others. And, and Batman's like, yeah, not for maybe not for long or something like that right. or something like that. Like that I thought was funny. And I thought that was Batman. Like I could see Chuck Dixon's Batman in here or the animated series Batman saying something like that. Uh, anyway, that might have went off rails. But real quick, how did you feel about Batman's humor in Justice League? Did you feel it was out of character for him, or did you think it was okay? No, I thought it was okay. The only line that I was like, nah, I don't know if he totally would have done that, was the line where Superman first comes back, and they're looking at him, and he says, I, I know you don't like me, or something like that. And he goes, well, I don't not like you. I thought, eh, okay, that, I don't know about that one. But the when Superman throws him to the ground, he's like, oh, yeah, something's definitely bleeding. You know, I yeah. kind of, that was a moment like nobody else is around, nobody else heard him at all. Um, and the, you know, you're playing well with others, I thought was... Uh, was like, okay, I, I could hear Chuck Dixon writing that dialogue, or I could actually hear Kevin Conroy saying that to Commissioner Gordon, because it was more of like, I'm only doing this because I have to. Um, uh, I don't have a partner anymore, so I had to call these knuckleheads. And Batman was saying, and I thought, very appropriate for the character. So it, it, it didn't bother me that much for Batman. I kind of thought everything he said in that movie was working fairly well. And even the Holy Grail of Holy Grails, uh, the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, Christian Bale, he made quiffs, you know, nice yeah. ja- nice coat, you know, and the, my favorite is when he's got that one gangster, uh, I think it's Maroney, uh, maybe not, uh, I get their names confused, uh, you know, and he's like, one, one tip from one professional to another. <laughs> A height, a fall from this height won't kill a man. And he's like, I know, I'm counting on it. And he drops him. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought that. But anyway, in this issue that we're recording here, there is um, no humor. <laughs> anyway, no. make a make a really short point, really long. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you have to point out because I don't know. Like you were talking about the line that seemed out of character. I I must not have picked up on it because I was trying to flip through and go, I wonder what he's talking about. Uh, we have a conversation with Lucius on uh, page eight, where and then Bruce throws the phone uh, to Nightwing, basically like, okay, you're good, you're done, business as usual. And Tim even points out, like, didn't he say this was going to be something new? And Bruce is kind of acting like old, so the new stuff is like out the window. The bigger thing here on page nine is Bruce, well, Bruce Batman. And Commissioner Gordon actually talking for the very first time uh, since he's been back. And uh, I was kind of hoping there was a little bit more uh, dialogue between them. I think if Chuck Dixon was in this, we probably would have got a little bit more out of it. But uh, Batman can see that things have changed since he's been gone. We have Commissioner Gordon essentially, not essentially, but actually living in GCPD and uh, – Batman thinks he's just going to come into the room and realizes Gordon is uh, here on the couch. So uh, what did you think about uh, Batman and Gordon's uh, first meeting here on uh, running through pages 9 and 10? 
Yeah, this is the part where I said there's a line that just doesn't seem out of seem in, or seems out of place here. Is um, you know, Bruce is gonna say, says Gordon, you deserve an explanation, and then Gordon's like, you're interrupting my sleeping, which I can understand why Gordon is just fed up with all this, and he's a very old Gordon at this point in yeah. the continuity. But Batman just all of a sudden says, on a cot in your office. Are you and Sarah having trouble? Like, okay. sit down, yeah, you know, sit down, girlfriend. Let's talk here. Let's <laughs> like that. That was just like, no, no. And that uh, to me, that was so obviously just put in there to plant the seeds of an upcoming story and that they were going to do more with Gordon and Sarah and their relationship and, and do stuff with that. But yeah, that that's the line that just I was like, nah, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> did, did you have a similar reaction or are you? But now, now that you point that out, I thought. But my reaction was, how does he know that? He's been gone. Batman yeah. wouldn't have that. And that's the, hey, reader, we just want to let you know that Gordon and Sarah Essen are having marital problems. So I don't know if I took that. Uh, now that you say that, I, I do get the girlfriend said what? <laughs> you know, yeah. reaction to it. But I just thought it was more of like, you know, as he was leaving the Batcave, did Tim go, oh, by the way, Dick and I realize Sarah and him are having problems. Uh, we do see on page 11 that, I about said Clue Master, <laughs> Dark Rider, uh, yeah. does, does have the baseball, Clue Master, uh, that's much later, uh, has the uh, baseball that is the uh, nuclear bomb. And it looks like on page 11 it says Babe Ruth. Uh, so did he uh, have Babe Ruth sign it or just had it made to look like uh, a baseball so it would be a little uh, inconspicuous here? To me, I think it's the baseball from uh, the Sandlot, Sandlot, if you've ever seen that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the ball said Baby Ruth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Page 12 has one of our uh, first appearances of Tim Drake since leaving the Batcave. And it's uh, the Drusinsko's storefront, their poor storefront. I don't even know why they're continuing to try and run a business anymore with as many times it's been shot up. And it's always usually because the KG Beast is around. That's three times the KG Beast has been back and uh, uh, doing it. Yeah. But what you'll see in the next issue of Shadow of the Bat is it's a great plot device to get Robin out of the issue. But yeah, <laughs> right, definitely. Uh, but this is where uh, Batman and Robin have got to go uh, track down the Dark Rider. Tim has to play the I can't check on my girlfriend. I literally have to go right through her bedroom. I can't turn and stop and say, hey, are you okay? I almost have to give just a look over the shoulder. She's okay. I've got to go be the boy wonder to Batman and not be paying attention. And that's a hard thing for him to to do. But Bruce also realizes that. So what did you think about that uh, set of events there? I thought it was a really cool panel of them jumping through the window and then coming down out the other side. So what did you think about that leading up to page uh, 15? I really like the artwork on page 14 where you see just um, Ariana's face and Robin's face. And he's like, I want to, I want, what does he say? He wants to go to her. It's in third person, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Cause yeah. And he says he wants to go to her, take her in his arms, not as Robin. He can't even get close to her. So yeah, I thought that was really cool. And it did remind me a lot about the um, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, you know, similarities between Tim and his dual identities. And um, we haven't mentioned it, but the coloring is fantastic as well. Oh, yeah. You know, the Bat- Batman on the on the panel before that is just black with like light of light effects. And then the Robin face is really blue. So, yeah, it's 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 pretty awesome. So after uh, Batman and Robin 
jump through the window. We're looking through uh, pages 16 and 17. A couple of the Russian henchmen think they have the Dark Rider, and little do they know they've just shot up a mattress full of pillows and the Dark Rider's there. And this uh, issue kind of gets a little bit uh, uh, gruesome here, was the Dark Rider kind of uh, takes them out. And especially on the panel on the bottom of page 16, he's got the gun right to the guy's face. Looks like he catches him right in the temple with his head kind of cocked back. And you see Bam sitting right there in the uh, red coming off of the cap with the uh, yellow explosion there. And I was kind of like, wow, I I didn't remember kind of noticing uh, that panel. And that's something I was like, that kind of got through the comic book code there. That's a that's a point blank shot right to the face. What did you think about that panel? Yeah, that that's pretty uh, intense. And um this is the part where I got kind of confused with the story because yes. I'm confused about who's Batman tra- chasing. And I'm thinking Troyoka is the story of this Russian mafia um, tr- threesome, but they're f- then now going after him, too. So this part was very confusing. It took me a couple of reads. What actually was going on here and all of this? Sorry. No, you you sound as just confused as I was. And as much as I like Doug Mensch's writing, also having this, the dialogue description be in third person really kind of took me out of the story a little bit of like, okay, we're getting the characters talking here and Batman and Dark Rider are fighting, but then you get more of the, you know, just like with Robin, you know, he, he can't say anything to her. And I thought that's just, it's a really weird because normally like the, the squares will be kind of like, their their interior thoughts or some more description but i'm like who's who's narrating the story and i think it kind of gets a little muddled going through here and the very uh, last two pages is batman and the dark rider fighting and uh, the dark rider actually gets some pretty good licks on batman with a tv antenna and batman has to headbutt him kick him in the face and uh, I thought, boy, for being back, Bruce has taken an awful lot of licks from a guy who hasn't been around since 1986. <laughs> yeah, really. And, and you know, uh, yeah, I do like Kelly Jones' art, but if the story is a little confusing, his art is not exactly the easiest to follow as well. So the, the combination of the story getting a little muddled with his overly stylized art makes it um, a bit difficult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the issue basically uh, ends here with Batman standing on top of the uh, gargoyle looking out across the city, and uh, Robin just kind of pops in and out of this issue um, after Bruce kind of you know, dismisses him being able to kind of go back and swing by Ariana's, make sure she's okay kind of from afar, and it kind of ends with Colonel Vega sitting by himself and uh, Batman plotting out the his next uh, course of attack. And the bottom says, concluded in the shadow of the Bat number 35, and don't miss the next issue of Azrael. So we're going to move in to uh, Detective Comics here. Whoops, wrong book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so we're going to move into Shadow of the Bat 35 here. And the front cover, we're getting a little bit uh, more color here where... Uh, looking at this one, I remember seeing this on the uh, newsstand and going, okay, I can kind of make out Batman's costume a little bit more than I could in the previous issue with Kelly Jones. And uh, we like his art a lot, but I was, for that first issue of seeing Batman in his costume, I really kind of wanted to see it more. So I remember opening this book right away and thumbing through so I could see a nice uh, full-page shot of Batman, and we'll talk about it. But then one of the first... Uh, 
shots we get is all you know black and <laughs> interior again. Uh, the newsstand version of this one is I never saw this one either. It's kind of Batman shot from the back, and you kind of see his cape billowing out. So you didn't get a much of a good version of the cover there. But uh, uh, I took this one to Motor City Comic Con. Uh, in 2017, and I got Barry Kitston uh, to sign this one. This was the last book I got Barry to sign, and uh, he was kind of talking about uh, the suit, and he was like, oh, this is the one where we put fins on Batman's costume. He was like, I'm glad we didn't do that after this story arc. He's like, I always thought that was stupid, so I thought that was kind of interesting that he didn't like the (laughs) fins on the costume, and he's like, I always tried to make sure I draped the cape around so I didn't have to draw those stupid fins. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. So that, those are on his leg there, right, on the cover. So those weren't yep. there before, and then they weren't there after. Because right. I think at the end of Robin, they make mention of it. Um, yeah, this cover is kind of same variation of the other covers. But you know what? I, I told you, we'll do this quick, and then we probably won't. The buildings in the background remind me. Have you seen the uh, commercial for um, the, the teaser trailer for the Teen Titans Go movie? Yes, I just saw it the other day. How hilarious are the signs in in the back of the city? Did you catch all those? Yeah. That's going to have more Easter eggs than Lego Batman. It was the one that cracked me up. There was like Sinestrals, like Sinestral. Sinestral yes. One about like a uh, Clayface beauty or so. I don't know. It was hilarious. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, same thing. You, you don't get a really good shot of the um, – the suit until like the fourth page where Batman and Robin are swinging in the city. And even then the gloves are like colored gray. So I don't even know from the last issue, does he, is he wearing gray gloves or does he then switch to blue gloves? Cause in the other issues he's got blue gloves. So I don't know if this issue is colored incorrectly or if he was wearing gray gloves, but then changes it because at the end of Robin 14, he makes mention of uh, he's changing the boots and changing the gloves to be insulated. But then in the other issues, he does have green, uh, blue gloves. So I maybe I am spending way too much time. <laughs> and I, I need to reevaluate the things that are important in life. But <laughs> right, but, uh, I, I, I took I'm it. Not, I, I'm not up at night worrying about this. No, by the way, no. it's just something that what we, we got to fill his gloves. <laughs> We got to fill the podcast time with something, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to go back and listen to this episode. People are going to go, "Wow, they really spent a long time talking about what color the gloves are. What is yeah. Batman doing in the panel?" So yeah. I, I always took it that his gloves and boots were gray, and it was like a whole entire Batman onesie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, <laughs> if I'm going to fight crime, I got to be comfortable. I got to yeah. comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I have to make going to the bathroom easy. It's, I'm going to wear a onesie. Uh, as far as being Everyone Loves a Drake podcast, there is not a whole lot of Tim uh, in this. And I think you said it uh, previously, this issue is designed for, hey, you want to go take care of Ariana? Well, I'm going to go uh, look, find the Troika on my own or take on, on this lead here. Uh, we see uh, the... Uh, proverbial Sarah Essen, you know, driving down the street of like, oh, you know, we're separate, we're living separate lives, how do we get to this position, yada, yada, yada. Um, a really cool shot on page five here. That Barry, I love Barry Kitson's uh, art, but he's seeing a shot of Batman kind of in blue and black, thinking, oh, this is the Jean-Paul Valley Batman. This is the Batman that killed... Uh, Ab- abattoir. Abattoir. I the Taskmaster. Yeah, Abattoir. So uh, Bruce is kind of hearing some of this from the thugs and really doesn't say much. He just kind of lets his presence work. But um, there's as, as far as Tim goes, the uh, basic setup of this is the Troika is kind of falling apart 
part in on itself and they're trying to find out who's got the bomb, uh, where did it go and try, they're inserting their power. Who's going to be the heavier player here. Bruce is uh, learning that, wow, Alfred did a whole lot in the bat cave and he's ordering pizza and the shot on 12 really made me laugh. Bruce is holding the pizza like a book and I'm like, uh, that's a pizza, Bruce. That whole pizza just slid inside of your, <laughs> your yeah. box from Al's pizza. Uh, well, I, I, can I stop you and just yeah. say, you know, um, you're right. That, that scene on page five is, is really awesome with Batman just coming down from the sky and, and all in blue and black and the, the reaction of the faces of the, the criminals. And I love it that he, he catches them without a punch. They're like, don't kill us. Don't kill us. We surrender. And they go running to the police just out of fear of Batman. I, I, that's pretty cool. But it is kind of weird how Tim just disappears because, um, Batman says to Tim, uh, you're still worried about the strong arm attacks on Ariana's father's place. First of all, I'm like, how does he know about Ariana? <laughs> but I guess he, right. he's the world's greatest detective. Uh, and the skyline's cool in the background. It's that Anton first uh, oh, design. Yeah. Gotham is really cool. But then Bruce says, I don't think they'll be back, at least not tonight. But I'm sure that won't satisfy you. Well, I see that. I'll, well, I see what else I can dig up in little Odessa. Why don't you go keep an eye on your friend? And, and with a question mark, like, if you don't think they'll be back, why are you sending them there? Like, I don't think so. But go ahead anyway. Like, it's just it's just let's just get Robin out of this story because he's here and we don't want him for the rest of the story because we want Batman to end up in, you know, um, a fight. And then that's. You know, there's more, like you said, of the Sarah Essen, Jim Gordon. Like, Jim Gordon is just the most miserable, depressed man ever. Yeah. Just, you know, but uh, once again, I was confused because now there's like three in the Troyoka, and I'm, I'm always confused of who's who. And um, the other, uh, the Dark Riders, they're talking about killing the Dark Rider, but then don't worry, he's going to die anyway. And then they're fighting amongst each other. And I'm I'm still kind of always confused of like, what are they doing? What What is their plant like they're just sitting in a warehouse like every scene they're just sitting in a warehouse drinking vodka or water or something and like it doesn't really quite make clear what they're doing and how they're doing it and then of course I don't know what it was about Batman comics in the 90 but they always hammered in the laundry part here's Bruce trying to do laundry (laughs) like Really, Bruce Wayne would just go buy more clothes. He'd buy the department store. He probably owns the department store. Like him sitting yeah. here trying to, and he's Batman. Come on, he's got a bat computer downstairs. He can't figure out how to work a washing machine. It's like all bubbling over and everything. Uh, but that's because Robin was doing like the kung fu laundry in there, and he probably messed it up or something. Right? But yeah. But Al's famous pizza. I wonder where they got that from. But then right after that, this is what I was talking about. Um, Batman's in the bat cave again and uh it's his endless bat stairs up to the the manor <laughs> how deep is this cave but uh Robin's at the um bat computer which again only one chair so right. one of them has to get up you know bat- Robin says to Batman seems we have a new vigilante in town serious stuff three muggers with broken bones sounds like he isn't too careful and then Batman says I'll have to let the police worry about this vigilante my main concern must be this nuclear device so who do you think that vigilante is? Because they never really say it. So a part of me thought it might be Asriel. And as we we learned, the Asriel comic is starting right at this time. But then the next issue of Shadow of the Bat 36 involves Black Canary. She's doing some vigilante investigating stuff in um, 
in Gotham. And I reread that issue and it's a really good issue because it flashbacks to her mom as Black Canary and it has stuff with mm-hmm. her dad and all this stuff. But it never says like, oh, you must be the vigilante Robin told me about or something like that. So did you did you have an idea who this vigilante was? My my first guess would have been Azrael is the kind of like usher in his solo series but i did the same thing i got the next issue of shadow of the bat and it was like black canary and i'm like oh i wonder if this is still trying to stay in its own series continuity while staying inside the main batman continuity like oh the vigilante is going to be in in our story we're referring to black canary so i don't think it's ever really said of like oh hey folks editors note we want to let you know it's black canary not yeah not the Azrael story so yeah that i was still vague on that as well yeah and uh, this is the last bit of uh, Tim and Bruce, and of course, since the Jean-Paul Batmobile is uh, no longer here, we have like the 1930s Batmobile, which is always kind of cool. And then it's Bruce uh, going to fight Colonel Vega and get kind of gets mind-screwed, for lack of a better word. Yeah. It's messed up with his equilibrium and has a hard time fighting, and that's the issue. Managed to take out Colonel Vega with a uh, kick to the head and in his unbalanced state, at least can knock the computer that he's holding to the ground. And that's the issue. And then it's left with uh, Batman swinging away and Colonel Vega gets shot in the head. So that's the end of that uh, particular issue. I went by pretty quick there. Uh, your final thoughts on these two issues before we wrap up the show. Yeah. It's funny. Cause Batman's just like a fountain of contradiction. Cause once again, to get Tim out of it, they're driving around in the Batmobile and uh, Batman says to him to about Ariana, go to her. It's OK. Keep your eyes open. Any trouble, contact me. But then but remember, you're sworn to protect the city, not just one person. Like, yeah. then why are you telling him to go to her? You know, like it's just so clearly like we don't know what to do with Robin. And uh, yeah, once again, it's weird because you see Vega gets shot and you think it's the beast. I don't know. Do they reference it's the beast? But no, then, yeah, he's he's out of there. And uh, a lot of the end is just fighting with Batman, not doing too well but it's weird because you see um batman swinging away through the city on the last panel but then when you go to which will i guess will be our next podcast um detective comics number 682 batman's like falling to his death from (laughs) from this swing and i wonder why you wouldn't have put that panel uh with batman falling to his death at the end of 35 here yeah uh, to, as like a cliffhanger, like find out what happens in Detective Comics 682. But, you know, it, I, that could have also come off as cheesy, too. So, you know, he's not going to die. So. Right. <laughs> but it, it just kind of surprised me when I picked up 682. And I'm like, wait a minute. This isn't how this happened. What's going on here? So but I guess we'll get into all of that next time. Yeah, I guess this is where we're going to end the episode. Thanks for uh, tuning in with this one. Uh, like I said, you can uh, find us on all cross social media. If you uh, stop at an Ollie's, let us know at ELTD Ollie's hashtag and uh, see if we can get some hashtags going on the uh, Twitter feed. So on the behalf of Terrence, this is Rob and you've been listening to the Batman universe.net. And more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves a Drake. We'll see you next time. Bye.
listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are the copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respective copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at thebatmanuniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also, over at our host, TVU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.